الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن إبراهيم كان أمة قانتا لله حنيفا ولم يكن من المشركين شاكرا لأنعمه وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كلكم راع وكلكم مسؤول عن رعيته أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وسبحت الله الكريم We are currently in the months of Hajj. And the months of Hajj are directly related to the great personality of Sayyidina Ibrahim and his family. And this is such a great personality and such a comprehensive personality. Allah Ta'ala describes this comprehensive nature of Ibrahim إِنَّ إِبْرَاهِيمَ كَانَ أُمَّةً قَانِتًا لِلَّهِ حَنِيفًا Ibrahim was an ummah. One man is an ummah. is a nation on himself. So what is this meaning? What is the meaning of this? What does this refer to? One man being a whole nation? So one meaning of this is that he was such a comprehensive personality in terms of the qualities that he possessed. Generally, somebody excels in one thing, somebody in something else. One person excels in some things, but he doesn't have much of something else. Ibrahim was a personality of that nature who encompassed all the great good qualities and excelled in everything. So this is one of the meanings that the Mufassirin explained. And the other aspect is that he was an ummah in the sense of an imam, a person who was a true leader, who led by example, and who left such a legacy that even Nabi Wasallam was commanded in the Quran Sharif, وَاتَّبِعْ مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ حَنِيفًا That Ibrahim Wasallam is this great personality who the Quran describes as إِنَّ إِبْرَاهِيمَ كَانَ أُمَّةً قَانِتًا لِلَّهِ حَنِيفًا That he was this Hanif, totally had cut himself from everyone and everything besides Allah Ta'ala and connected himself to Allah Ta'ala alone. So Nabi Islam has been told, وَاتَّبِعْ مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ حَنِيفًا You also follow the millah and the creed in the way of Ibrahim A.S. Allah's Nabi was the greatest of all the Amir But the principles that he then further enhanced were the same principles by which Ibrahim lived. So if Nabi is being commanded to follow the way of Ibrahim how much more it applies to us? So we got to follow him in all the things that he taught, in all the things that he lived for, in his submission to Allah wa ta'ala. Complete and total submission. All the incidents of Qurbani, all the things that we hear year in and year out, all the lessons of those submission, of his submission, that is also something we're going to follow in. His total reliance on Allah wa ta'ala. 
the two Rukhanu women. And in this manner, all the various other qualities. And one of the things is that he led it as an example in terms of how to be a father. And what is the proper upbringing of a child? So this is the aspect that we will discuss today. That the legacy of Ibrahim in terms of being a father. And how he set the example of what should be the principles by which a father should bring up his children. We are living in a very, very different world compared to 25, 30, 40 years ago. We are in a very different world. Things have changed dramatically. There was a time when a father would, let alone in a dini environment, in a place where there's imam, this is something acknowledged even in homes that were devoid of imam. But there was that level of respect. This is something recorded, that if a father walked into the room of the child, in that zamana obviously, then this was a general thing that the child would rise out of respect for the father. If he was lying down or something, he won't remain sleeping. Out of respect for the father, he'll wake up. Now the zamana came, this is the time and era that we live in, that the father has to walk in the son's room. It's possible, maybe it happens in many cases, that he might get a side glance, and maybe what he will be told is, you're invading my privacy. At one time it was something else. <coughs> now he will be reprimanded, you're invading my privacy. They say now, there was a time when parents were loved, and everybody else was tolerated. And now, children love their pets and tolerate their parents. There's a complete revolution that we're living in. So this is generally the condition of Western society, but to the extent that we also get closer to the Western way of life, we start aping them in their ways, in the way that they live their lives, Unfortunately, we find that the same kind of problems and difficulties, the same kind of uh, breakdown in homes that they are facing and that they have tasted the bitter end of, unfortunately, we are also facing the same thing. So unfortunately, this whole system has changed. But though we are living in a very different situation, the principles remain the same. The principles of proper upbringing, that the Qur'an Sharif has established. And these incidents of the Anbiya are not just stories for the sake of some uh, fairy tales or bedtime stories, Billah. These are all principles. These are usul. And this will remain till Qiyamah. Circumstances will change, people will change, the levels of respect will change, and whatever else will change. But if we want to achieve what is the success, we'll have to still abide by those same principles. Maybe some little subsidiary things might, the way we package certain things might change, but the principles can't change. So the thing is that Ibrahim he left this legacy of how to be a father. What were those principles upon which this legacy is founded? So there are five things, there's many, many things, but five basic things that we can look at and which will be the foundational principles for proper upbringing. 
And to the extent that we try to bring ourselves on these lines, to that extent we'll benefit from it, we will achieve that success that we are desiring, we'll put our children onto the path of success, both in dunya, the success of dunya, and the real and eternal success of Akhirat. So what are these principles that we have to now consider? The first principle is the principle of concern, of fikr. Fikr is the key, concern. The concern for the proper guidance of our children. The concern that besides their comfort of dunya, they must get the real and eternal comfort of akhirat. Unfortunately, our concern is confined to dunya, generally, or by and large. But how can they be eternally comfortable? How can they be saved from the problems of dunya? but be saved from the eternal problems of Akhirat. So the first thing is concern, fikr. And this too we learn from the life of Ibrahim and Salatu And Allah wa ta'ala said to him, قَالَ إِنِّي جَاعِلُكَ لِلنَّاسِ imama. I'm going to be giving you this imamat. You will be a leader for people. And in other words, you will lead them towards Jannah. So the life of eternal success. His immediate concern is, قَالَ وَمِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِي Ya Allah, what about my children? Will they also join me and they also will follow my life of success? First concern about the eternal success of his children, of his progeny. <laughs> ya Allah, my progeny. Bring them also on the same path. So the first thing is that to the extent that we will develop this concern for the proper guidance of our children. And this is not just something that is optional. Not just something that, well, if it happens, it happens, it doesn't happen, one of those things. This is something which is a responsibility which Rasulullah has placed as a responsibility upon us. Each one of you is a shepherd and he will be questioned about his flock. Now, sometimes, just to understanding from the other end also, we will be questioned about our flock in the sense that what effort we made, what figure we had, what effort we made for the proper guidance of our children. The end result, that is not in our hands. Hidayat is in the hands of Allah. Ta'ala. But we will be accountable for the effort we made. And we will be rewarded for the effort we made if we made it correctly. And after having made the correct effort, if the end result didn't come out in our favor, then too we're not accountable for that part. We'll still get rewarded for the efforts. But if the person didn't do what his responsibility was, then obviously we'll be accountable for that. Hmm. Nabi Islam has made this very clear to us. Every one of you is a shepherd. And he would be questioned about his fault. Did he make the right effort? Did he have the correct concern? Did he make the right effort to guide them towards that which will take them towards Allah Ta'ala. For this correct effort, this figure, this concern, this concern is the concern that should be in the heart of both parents. It is the responsibility of the father, the responsibility of the mother. It's a joint concern. And it's a joint responsibility. Sometimes it is just delegated to one party. And more often than not, it's delegated to the mother. This is your problem. So when the child achieves something, then it's my son. If it's a problem, it's your son. 
then the mother is now the problem. This is a joint responsibility. And just as the mother has her duties in this regard, the father is even more responsible. Because he's the leader of the house. He is the captain of the ship. And he is the person who is going to be questioned first. So this is the first aspect is that this is the it's a joint responsibility and therefore it requires a coordinated effort. If one parent is pulling in one direction and the other is pulling in another direction, who gets torn in between? One has got their own mindset, one has got a mindset of one type and the other he wants to go in a different direction. So now, the person in between is getting torn apart is the child. The child is in total confusion now. My mother is saying do this, and my father is saying do something else. My father is saying don't do this, and my mother is giving it to me. So now who is the person that is getting torn in between? The child is getting torn in between. And often it is our personal emotion, sometimes our ego. Why must I listen to the other party? She said it, I must do the opposite. I must show who's boss. If you said it, it won't go. I say it will go. But in the process, we are being very selfish. There's a very selfish attitude. That in the process, we are jeopardizing the future of the child. How more selfish can a person become? That just to have his say, he is jeopardizing the future of his own child, the tarbiyat and the nurturing of his own child. It doesn't matter the child is confused. I must have my say. Likewise, the other side. Sometimes the mother will be just stuck in one spot. My view wasn't taken, I would accept anything also. Doesn't matter what happens, the child's mind is now in a total turmoil. That's a secondary issue. But my word must go. This is a height of selfishness with regards to our children. If we don't give the one of the parents doesn't want to give some spending money to the child, that will regard as selfishness. Whereas sometimes that might be actually kindness, depending what the situation is. But this, there's no two saying two ways about it. That we jeopardize the tarbiyat of the child for our ego, just for our say, that is a height of selfishness. So in any case, this is something that requires a coordinated effort. Parents should be sitting, they should be discussing what is in the best interest of the child's tarbiyat. What do we say to the child? How do we run? How do we take this matter forward? This is a problem. How do we resolve this jointly? So we are saying one thing, and we are taking the child in one direction, and the correct direction. And if there is some confusion about what is the correct direction, then the simple procedure is to take advice from somebody who can advise us. There's many, many ulama ikram, many people, sometimes senior family people, elders in the family, would be able to guide. This is a simple thing of taking mashwara. And sometimes some major issues become very simple with the barakat of mashwara. So it requires a coordinated effort. And then this, this comes out of the point that we just discussed again. For the proper tarbiyat and the nurturing of the child, a happy relationship between the parents is imperative. The happy relationship between the parents is fundamental for the proper growth of the child, for his mental growth his proper tarbiyat and nurturing. Otherwise, this leaves a child in a total turmoil. How many times children, youngsters, teens, they ask these questions, they write up for advice. How do I handle this? This constant problem and fighting and arguments and, and it leaves me in a state where I am getting in a state of depression. 
How do I handle this? I can't handle this anymore. I want to run away from home. So that happy relationship between the parents is fundamental for the tarbiyat of the child. So often we will have to just push aside, aside our problems. Deal with it away. Out of sight from the children. Address what has to be addressed. But just to be able to vent our feelings, just to cool our own anger, we don't bother what is happening to the child, what message he is taking, how it's throwing his mind into turmoil, that is again the height of selfishness. So this is the first thing, the concern for the tarbiyat of the child, and that this child, for his tarbiyat, all these things need to be considered. Then the often the issue is, that many a times things which we know are wrong, this is not something that anybody should be doing, or the type of clothing that anybody should be wearing, or the type of activities anybody should be involved in. You know, this child is small. This child is still small. It's now later on. But nothing is later on. What is happening now is affecting now. And it leaves its mark. And it sometimes replays itself. Even after things have been changed later, it replays itself in the future. Because the foundation has already been set. Now that girl is being dressed in clothing, which even sometimes, if we take it maybe 15-20 years back, even kuffar women would have been ashamed about it. But everybody is quite comfortable with it, that she's small. But she's not small, she's registering. That boy is registering what's going on. And later in life he wants to do the same thing, he wants to replay it. So this is something that we need to be very conscious about, that the child is never small. Nabi Sallallahu has taught us deen, there is no command, no teaching of deen that is futile, that is without any benefit. And when a child is born, the child is barely a few moments old, a few minutes old, maybe a few hours old. <coughs> but the teaching of deen is, and the way of Rasulullah Sallallahu what he taught us is, Give the azan in one ear of the child and the iqamat, the other ear. This azan and the iqamat is called out when the child is born. So if this child was not able to take any effect, then you wouldn't have been given this command. This wouldn't have been the teaching of deen. Because the Prophet wouldn't teach us anything that is futile. The fact that this is given at that time, it is right at the beginning of that child's life in this dunya. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Six times in the Adhan and six times in the Tadbir and together with the Shahadatain and the rest of the Adhan. This greatness of Allah Ta'ala and the seed of this greatness of Allah Ta'ala is embedded in the heart of that child. So that child is taking effect. And this is scientific research. We don't mean it. But just as they say from the horse's mouth, just for the sake of saying it from the horse's mouth, they say the child takes effect even before it's born. What the mother is listening to, the child is taking effect in the womb. What the mother is speaking, the child is taking effect in the womb. So therefore this is something that we need to be, the first principle that we need to be conscious about is the fikr, to have the correct concern for the proper tarbiyat and the nurturing of this child to take him to the path of gender. The second thing is that what is the aspiration of the parents with regard to the child. 
What are their aspirations? Because those aspirations will dictate what they do and how they do it. So what are the aspirations that should be in the heart of any parent? Ibrahim wasalam, again, he teaches us this. When he was commanded to take his wife and child, leave them in this barren place. Bakam Karama at that time there was nothing barren. There was not even water of Zamzam. So he leaves them by the order of Allah Ta'ala and then he moves away. Let the incident which we are familiar with all the details. And then he turns in dua. رَبَّنَا إِنِّي أَسْكَنْتُ مِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِي بِوَادٍ غَيْرِ ذِي زَرْعٍ عِنْدَ بَيْتِكَ الْمُحَرَّمِ He's now putting forward his situation. Ya Allah, this is your command. I've left them there in this barren place. And now he's turning in dua. رَبَّنَا لِيُقِيمُ الصَّلَاةِ This is his first aspiration. And he's asking Allah Ta'ala for help in this. Ya Allah, I wish. Place them here. The first thing is they must establish salah. What is salah? Salah is the link between this creation and the creator. The first aspiration is that my child must be linked to Allah Ta'ala. So the first aspiration is for the deen of the child. And now with the mindset of the parent will be the deen of the child. And that this child must establish salah in his life. So now everything else will now be dictated accordingly. Everything else will now be dictated by this aspiration. So this salah, how much of this is in our lives, in the lives of our children? We look into the ahadis, the Quran Sharif, the ahadis, how much of emphasis on salah? And Ibrahim salam made his efforts, he made dua, he made the effort for establishing salah. So this passed on from father to son. When the mention of Ismail Salatu Salam comes, وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ إِسْمَعِيلِ إِنَّهُ كَانَ صَادِقَ الْوَعَدِ وَكَانَ رَسُولَ النَّبِيَا وَكَانَ يَأْمُرُ أَهْدَهُ بِالصَّلَاةِ وَالزَّكَاةِ Same thing. He would command his family with salah and discharging of zakat. So what the father is doing, the son is doing. The aspiration of the parent is for deen. The aspiration of the parent is there must be salah in my child's life. And salah, in many many places the Quran Sharif says, وَأَقِيمُ الصَّلَاةِ وَعَاتُ الزَّكَاةِ وَأَقِيمُ الصَّلَاةِ وَعَاتُ الزَّكَاةِ Mufassirin explained that وَأَقِيمُ الصَّلَاةِ is the embodiment of all the ibadat that is performed physically. So it's not only restricted to salah, that is the peak of it. It includes everything else. وَعَاتُ الزَّكَاةِ is all the monetary ibadat is included in this. So this is the whole of deen in this. And as-salatu imadu deen This is the foundational pillar of deen Man aqamaha faqad aqamad deen Wa man hadamaha faqad hadamad deen The one who will keep this pillar in place He'll keep the rest of deen alive The person who will be careless and neglect this pillar He'll neglect the rest of deen So Ibrahim Islam has this concern Nabi Islam is mentioned as Anas Allah mentions After Hazrat Fatima radiallahu got married and she went over to live in her house now with Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala For six months, Nabi Islam would pass at the time of Fajr by her house. And he would say, Ya Ahlul Bayt as-salah. Yamurru bi bayti Fatimata sittata ashburin. Six months. Every morning he would pass by her dog, by her house at the time of Fajr. Ya Ahlul Bayt as-salah. She's now married, she's already gone to live in her own house. And she's part of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But this is still that emphasis on salah. 
The parent sees the, the lesson, the aspiration of deen. My child must learn his life where salah has the greatest importance in his life. Everything else, afterwards, salah first. So what this teaches us, the parent's aspiration is my child Muslim first. Not every child will become an alim. Not even every child become a hafiz. Not either is that faraz. Great virtue, great rewards. And this should be the aspiration of every parent. But it's not something that will happen. And it's not practical also. But every parent's aspiration must be my child Muslim first. He becomes something else, whatever he may become, whatever profession he takes, whatever career he has. But that is all second, first he is a Muslim. So this is the lesson we learn from here. And then he goes on, that what al-afidatam minan nasi tahumi ilayhim. Ya Allah, you incline the hearts of people to them. So that they'll have some support in dunya. But first was deen. And then they need to survive. وَرْزُقْهُمْ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ Ya Allah, grant them the fruit. Ibrahim didn't make dua for Makkah to become fertile. It's a barren place. He finished already saying, Allah, this place is barren. I left my family here. He didn't make dua, Ya Allah, you make it fertile. He didn't want them to get occupied in this land. He wanted them to be occupied with Allah. Of the Shafisa Rahmatullah makes his point in Ma'arif al Quran. That he didn't even make dua for Makkah to become fertile. He said, Ya Allah, you grant them the fruit from wherever you make the arrangements for their dunya. And his dua has been accepted till this day, we see the effects. That the fruit of the world, any time of the year is available in Makkah. Whereas nothing, hardly anything grows there. But the fruit of the world is there. This is the sacrifice of Ibrahim and the effects of his dua. And the sacrifice of his family. And then, وَرْزُقْهُمْ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَشْكُرُونَ This benefit of dunya also. Allah, even this benefit of dunya must bring them back to you. لَعَلَّهُمْ يَشْكُرُونَ That they become true grateful servants of yours. Gratitude is not only with the tongue. That too is part of gratitude. Expressing gratitude verbally. But the real gratitude is itaat. The obedience of the benefactor. Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with His bounties. So now submit ourselves in obedience to Him. That is the real gratitude. Ya Allah, these benefits of dunya also make it a means of them coming back to you. That is the aspiration. So the aspiration of a parent will be deen. Then his decisions for his children will also be accordingly. And if the aspiration is primarily material, and deen is by the way, a person will make dangerous decisions. Then it will be easy for him to make a decision to have his daughter in a university. In a vicious environment. And what happens there? He'll say, well, big dua, nothing happens. often quotes this of his Ustad, Hafiz Sallu Sahib, a very pious person, Hafiz Sahib. One person came to him, now we're talking about long time ago, 35, 40, 50 years ago maybe. And he said to him that I'm sending my daughter to England to study. So he said to Arsab that, you know the environment there and so on. So make dua that, you know, everything is fine. I'm sending my daughter to England to study and make dua everything stays fine. So the Hafizah said to him that what you're asking me is that I must make dua, you're sending your daughter out in the rain, I must make dua she doesn't get wet. I'm sending my daughter out in the rain, make dua she doesn't get wet. <coughs> but now when the aspiration is material, 
The person will say, but she has to survive, she has to have a career. What happens is tomorrow she gets divorced. She didn't get married yet, she's planning for a divorce already. <laughs> what a pessimistic view. Indeed, there are many complications out there in society. There are many problems, these need to be addressed. It's not, a, not something to be ignored. But a person is starting on this pessimistic view, and then he is making negative arrangements to try and overcome it. He's taken a pessimistic view, so the person now, there's a potential of a fire, so now he's saying you must keep the petrol on hand, douse the fire. You must keep the petrol on hand, then in case the fire breaks out, then you must keep this petrol on hand to douse the fire. What's going to be the end result? And university is a far off thing. What not goes on in high schools is another issue. We should be talking to those who are in these environments, they'll tell us firsthand what's going on. And the unspeakable things that go on. But when there's a primarily materialistic aspiration and outlook, then these dangerous decisions become very, very simple. That daughter is living somewhere alone in a flat, far away, thousand miles away, and the person is saying, make do everything goes fine. So the primary aspiration has to be deen. And when the primary aspiration will be deen, then we will do what is in our capacity to take care of whatever their needs are. But having done what we can, we will support ourselves to Allah wa ta'ala. And ufawibu amri ilallah, the matter will then be supported to Allah wa ta'ala. Hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakeel. Alallahi tawakkalna. So this is the thing that Ibrahim is teaching us to support ourselves to Allah wa ta'ala. Then we find that the third principle that we learn from the life of Ibrahim in terms of nurturing of children and upbringing of children is the principle of dua. Allah wa sha'arani he says that one of the most effective things, one of the most effective things in the tarbiyat and the nurturing of children and their correct upbringing is dua. One of the most effective things. But unfortunately, this is something neglected. If that dua is made also, it's made in a very, very casual manner, just after maybe namaz, person's mind is more on running out, and he's just making some dua, and that passing and passing, he's making some dua. Whereas this is something to be done with due importance. And a person, Allah Ta'ala, gives him tawfiq, then the best time of that dua is the time of tahajjud. And several people, several fathers, after having come on many occasions discussing the problems of their children and trying this and trying that, and eventually one day the father comes and says, and more than one person says, well, the one spoon of all this problem is that first time in my life I got coffee of tahajjud. Mm-hmm. And then after some time he comes and says that the dua of tahajjud really seems to have worked. Alhamdulillah, everything was sorted out. But dua. And Ibrahim wasalam, he teaches us again the same thing. So many du'as. Rabbi habli min as-salihin. His du'a. Ya Allah, grant me pious offspring. This is an ongoing du'a. It's not something only before the child is born. This is ongoing du'a for the piety of the child. And then in other, du'a, other du'as of Ibrahim the Quran Sharif then explains in many places that way qala ibrahim rabbi ja'al hadha al-walada aminan wajdubni wa baniyan na'bud al-asnam who is making this dua masum nabiyullah 
Ya Allah protect me, save me, and my progeny, my son, my progeny, and ma'bud al-asnam, from the worship of idols, from idol worship. Who is saying muwahid al-azam? Person who was on the peak of Tawheed, and he's making dua, Ya Allah save me and my progeny from shirk, from idol worship. Have we made that dua? For ourselves, for our children, we take it for granted, everything is fine. <coughs> alhamdulillah, summa alhamdulillah, out of the grace of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala saved us from bowing down to any stone, from bowing down to any tree, from worshipping any cow. But are we also clean of worshipping the idols within us? What about the idol of the ego? What about the idol of wealth? Well, that wealth dictates what I do, when I do it, how I do it. Hmm. If the earning of that wealth allows me to perform my salah with jama'ah, I'll do it. If it doesn't allow me, then that can wait. If the turning of the figures allows me to make my salah in time, well and good. Otherwise, it will become qaza. Fine, I'll be still very happy with myself that I make qaza. Hmm. I don't let any of my salah go, I make it qaza. At the end of the day, I can make all the qaza that I must. Sometimes it's set as a kind of self-praise. But I, I deserve some pat on the back. I mean, all that I don't let anything just go by. At the end of the day, everything is complete. Whereas in the hadith, Nabi Islam says, Man salatun. Even though he makes a qaza later, the person who missed one salah in his time, hmm. it is equivalent to having lost all his wealth and all his family in one go. Hmm. Ibrahim Islam was making dua. Allah save us from all this idol worship. How much dua we should be making for this? For ourselves, for our children. That we be saved from all these things that take us away from Allah. So in this way, there are many, many other duas. In any case, time is limited to go on to the fourth principle. Together with dua, we understand this on the physical side of things. Nobody just makes dua and doesn't make dua. Unfortunately, when it comes to our physical situation, we even forget dua, we run to the dua first. We run to the medication first and then we, when everything else doesn't seem to be working, the doctors also say it's not in our hands now, then we run to Mawana to say, now please make dua, the doctors also gave up hope. Whereas it starts off with dua. It starts off with sadaqa. Nabi Islam says, treat your ill people with sadaqa. So indeed, Taking the medicine is also sunnah. But the tartil, asking Allah Ta'ala's help, giving sadaqah, and then undertaking treatment. So, the point is together with dua, the fourth principle is dua, the concerted effort, the effort that is required. So dua we will make, but together with dua, we have to make the correct effort. And if you look at, again in the life of Ibrahim, he didn't just make dua and leave it at that. He made an effort to the extent that he could, the greatest effort possible, in so many different ways. And whatever was required, he did in his capacity. And to the extent that he had to undergo being ostracized by all his people, having been put through all that difficulty, being thrown into the fire of Namrud, whatever else was done for this establishment of Tawheed. And he didn't just do this for others, he did it for his family as well. Uh, Allah 
ensure that his children are given the correct guidance. What is the effort to be made on? Primarily three things. Many things, but three things that we can take for now. First thing is the iman of the child. The effort on the iman of the child. This is a primary effort of every parent. And if you look at, look in the lives, in the life of Rasulullah that how he taught this, and who he taught it to, He's teaching it to a little child, Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Nabi Islam is teaching him Iman, and he's a little child. Nabi Islam says to him, Ya Ghulam, oh young boy, generally you say, no, they're still small, so let them do what they want to do. Whereas when they are small, that is a time to embed the right values. Nabi Islam is saying to him, Mu'allimuka kalimat, I want to teach you some things, learn this. What is Nabi Islam teaching him? Take care of the commands of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will take care of you. You take care of the commands of Allah Ta'ala, you find Allah with you. You want help? Ask Allah Ta'ala for help. Now that child is still a young child. But from now he's been trained, help comes from Allah Ta'ala. One day the father is going to have to leave. He doesn't know when. But he has linked the child to Allah Ta'ala. When that father is one day has closed his eyes, the child still knows where I was getting my help from, that Allah is ever living. That Allah Ta'ala hasn't gone anywhere. So he can still, the natural grief any human being has, the natural emotions any human being has, he'll have as well. But he won't become overwhelmed. He won't be now in a state of depression. Now, what do, I, what do I do? I'm lost. No, he's not lost. He's naturally grieved as a human being. But his support and pillow of strength is from Allah Ta'ala. So Nabi Islam is teaching this. This yaqeen and this iman. Teaching this iman. Get help, get help from Allah Ta'ala. The yaqeen Nabi Islam is teaching him now. Who? A little child. If the entire world, the people of the world get together and try to harm you in some way, and try to benefit you in some way, they can only benefit you to the extent that Allah has decreed for you. And if they were to harm you, everybody gets together. They cannot harm you except to the extent Allah has decreed. Of this Iman and this Yaqeen and this reliance on Allah Ta'ala and this Tawakkul in Allah Ta'ala and seeking help from Allah Ta'ala is being taught to a little child. Now this is Tarbiyat. Tarbiyat primarily is making the heart. The A'mal, this is also something to be taught. But this is a subsidiary of Tarbiyat. If somehow we get the amal in the child, but by force and out of fear, 
Then when you look the other side, you'll do some whatever you want to do. But if the heart has changed, now this is tarbiyat. Tarbiyat is primarily the heart. Then when you look in the other side, you even make more ibadahs. Because you don't want to show off anybody. So tarbiyat is primarily working on the heart. Sometimes by means of some motivation, by means of some incentive, even by means of some warning sometimes, the amal will be encouraged. Do this and the child is small now. The small child is encouraged in different ways. Sometimes something is dangled. Sometimes there's a little bit of a warning also. But that is all just a temporary phase. The real effort is on the heart. And that is tarbiyat. To mold the heart. Zehen sazi. To make the correct mindset. So Nabi Islam is making the mindset of this little child. So this is the effort on the first thing. The effort on iman. Then the second effort is on a'mal. Effort on iman. Effort on a'mal. On bringing and inculcating righteous deeds. So that will be by this process also initially. By some incentive. Sometimes even some little warnings too. And in the hadith Nabi Islam teaches us this. Muru awladakum bisalaahu abnaahu sab'ihin. That when your child is seven years old, then instruct him to perform salah. But when he's ten, then even punish him. But now, that punishment, if he doesn't perform it, he then is to be reprimanded, even punished in an appropriate manner. But that is a passing phase. The heart must now be molded where he starts doing it out of love. So this is one phase, the amal, the iman, then the amal. One is the righteous actions. And together with inculcating the righteous actions, refraining them from the evil actions. Now, there's many, many things in this regard, but just to bring it down to a few things, which are very pertinent to us. That what has become the root of the evil in our time? Many things are the source of evils. There was one time when it was just the television that was the root to many evils. And this too is no more, not something to be regarded as something relegated to the background. It's just as evil and as influential negatively as it was and even more. There's one incident that happened many years ago. And perhaps I might, Al-Khair, believe the place where it happened. And one kindergarten madrasa, the Mu'allima was asking the children, that who is greatest? We just understood that the child is born, that the azan is given to embed the greatness of Allah Ta'ala in the heart of the child. And in one, cha- one class, four children said, Power Rangers. Who is greatest? Children coming from Muslim homes, born in Muslim homes. And who is greatest? Four children in one small class said, Allah knows what the percentage was, they said, Power Rangers. And Power Rangers happened to be some TV series at that time. <coughs> some strong people on that series with the Power Rangers. Now that child is watching that, and in his heart and mind is settled that this is the greatest Now as he grows up, what is going to play out? Some years back, in one Muslim school, the teacher gave an essay to the children. Who you want to be like, who you want to imitate in life, or who you want to be like in life. So one student wrote, in his teens, I had that cutting but didn't find it for tonight that uh, in his words, the approximate words were he starts off by saying I like to be like the 
his approximate words, just the Prophet, he doesn't even know Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or anything. But, a big but, and where the but comes also, this is something that cannot have been in a worse place. But, when I see the stars on television and their fame and their wealth, then I want to be like them. Who is comparing to who? And what is the root of it? Outwardly it seems that there is some entertainment, there is some fun. So this is not something that is now outdated, so forget about it. Yes, it has become to a point outdated, but it's just as bad. And its influence has just become worse with all the other devices. And these are just one or two things, there are so many incidents unfortunately like this. Where children have spoken what is in their heart, after having imbibed this from the, what they are seeing. And then, just to, in order to entertain them, the devices that they play with, sometimes you think these video games are just fun. Apart from the aggression that is bringing up, this is scientific studies, the kind of aggression, aggressive behavior that is coming as a result of video games, that the studies that have been done, the children who are all the time engaged in, often engaged in video games, they are prone to confrontation with their teachers. Now forget the children being confrontational with their teachers, Many a time you wonder that the child was confrontational, the start tried to sort it out with the parent, the parent became confrontational. <laughs> and if you really go down in the background of it, it is not unlikely that even the father is also on the same video games. <laughs> and this is not just something that's been said by the way, how many times a wife is complaining that my husband's got no time for me, he's all the time playing games on his phone. Pachpan ho gaya, abhi bachpan gaya nahi. Pachpan is 55. Pachpan ho gaya, bachpan childhood. The childhood doesn't go on. At the age of 55 also. He's also still playing. He's also still hooked on. So this aggression is causing. Because the child is now playing the violent games. And this is a repetitive thing. And it has a rewards based system. So that repetition of the violence is a rehearsal for violence in real life. And it's a rewards-based kind of thing. You kill this person, then you move to the next stage, whatever, however it's based. So now this violence and reward becomes associated in the mind. Violence is a good thing. Aggression is a good thing. So in any case, this is... And then, unfortunately, what has become the fitna of the time, that cell phone. What not it has created, what havoc it has created in society, and that has become the gift of choice. The latest cell phone will be the thing we'll give first. And what is going on, we don't know. Time to go into details, we know what is going on. Allah Ta'ala save us and save everybody. But this is something that we have to make the effort, effort on Iman, the effort on Amal. The effort on Amal is to inculcate the right actions and to save our children from the evil things. And at the top of the list is to make sure that these devices are moved out. All the supervision of it, this proper use of it, the internet, all these things, the nets, many are avid fishermen, you know, we started fishing with the nets. This is also shaitan's nets, the internet. And how many people are getting caught in this net? And they call it the World Wide Web, www, World Wide Web. The spider spins a web, not so that everybody will come and admire it. It spins a web to catch the insects. 
It spins a web so that the flies will come and get stuck in it. Then you can eat it with ease. And this worldwide web is there to catch us. So that we get stuck in it and then the forces of shaitan will be able to then make one's meat of us. So this is the second effort that we going to make. And then together with that, the effort of akhlaq. As we said, there's many, many things, just summarizing it to three things. That the effort of akhlaq, and this too again we find in the ahadith, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He's teaching akhlaq. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is addressing Hazrat Anas Ta'ala Ya Bunayya, Oh my beloved son, these things are taught with love. Tarbiyat is done with love. There is a time for reprimand, there is a time for even appropriate punishment. But this is all overshadowed and overruled by love, by compassion, by kindness, but within the limits obviously. So Nabi Islam is teaching it with love. Ya Bunayya, oh my beloved son, in qadarta an tusbiha wa tumsiya, wa lisa fi qalbika ghishun li ahadin fafal. If you can be such that there is no malice in your heart, no dirt in your heart for anybody, then make yourself like this. فَإِنَّ ذَلِكَ مِنْ سُنَّتِي My beloved son, that is my way. That is my sunnah. Sunnah is not only the external sunnahs. The sunnahs pertaining to our hearts as well. Sunnah is a way of life. Even the external sunnahs are very important. And likewise the internal sunnahs are also important and sometimes even more important. We should be making the effort to inculcate the external sunnahs also. The sunnahs of the heart. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying, إِنَّ ذَلِكَ مِنْ سُنَّتِي وَمَنْ أَحَبَّ سُنَّتِي كَانَ مَعِي فِي الْجَنَّةِ The one who will love my sunnah will be with me in Jannat. Nabi Sallallahu is teaching a little child, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, a young child. Ya Bunayya, oh my beloved son, learn this akhlaq. This is one example of akhlaq. Akhlaq is a whole aspect of deen, a whole branch of deen. But akhlaq is thought. And all these things are taught by example. That is the first way of teaching it. It's taught by leading by example. رَبَّنَا هَبْلَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا وَذُرِّيَّاتِنَا قُرَّةَ أَعْيُنْ وَجْعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا This dua that we are taught in the Quran Shari. Allah grant us our spouses and offspring will be the coolness of our eyes. And make us the leaders of those who are muttaqeen. What is meant by this? Make me muttaqeen. And the leader of the muttaqeen. I must be as a family person, as a father of the house, Imam al muttaqeen So I must be the example for them. So we should become what we want our children to be. So we will be leading by example, they will learn from that. So this is the things that we have to make effort on. So we discuss the aspect of dua and the aspect of effort. And then the last thing, just to quickly go through this, that to express love and to engage our children. And to show them, to teach them the correct way of thinking. If you look into the life of Ibrahim the life of Rasulullah these are lessons we are being taught all the time. Ibrahim is engaging his son, there's a major thing that has come up. So now he's preparing his mind. Ibrahim was given a clear command from Allah Ta'ala, Swadha the son. There was no question of him not doing it. But this child is a child. He must also get ready for it. He must never ever shy away from it. So how is he going to be going about this? Is he just barking some order? No. He's engaging the son. 
I see this dream that I'm slaughtering you. What do you have to say about it? He's checking what's inside. What is he thinking? What is going on in the heart of this child? And when this child says that if Alma Tukmar, now he's understood. This child is just as ready. This thinking of this child is on the dot. Perfect. Oh my father, do what you have been commanded. Satajiduni, inshaAllah, the Sabihin. I will also be patient among So Ibrahim is engaging this child to engage the child and to direct his thinking. If the thinking is right, Alhamdulillah. The thinking is gone in some other direction to bring it online. Ibrahim comes after some time, Ismail has grown, and after a long time he, come, he comes, Bukhari Sharif, the narration is there. When they meet one another, for Ibrahim meets him, like a father would meet a child after a long time, he embraces him, he kisses him on his forehead, whatever else. In other words, it's an expression of love, this expression of compassion. So this is the thing that has to be done, and engaging the child. So this is part of tarbiyah. There was a time when the stick ruled. Even in any other, there was a time. Now the stick has been overruled. <coughs> not that we should... Punishment, there is a place of punishment. This is not the Western democracy. Unfortunately, the whole system has changed now. As we said earlier, the system has changed just on the lighter note a little bit. One person came home, the whole system has changed. Previously it used to be, and Alhamdulillah, whoever maintains it up to now it is, person comes at the end of the day, so he's welcomed by his family, and the whole family is then ready there for him to join them for supper. So they're all at the Qasr Khan. So now this person came, so now the whole time has changed. So when he came now, someday he had bought some nice beautiful magnets, mid-fridge magnets. So for Eid he gave his family fridge magnets. So when he came, he saw one note under the same fridge magnet, the beautiful Eid that he gave. The, under the fridge magnet was a note. So the one son, so and so, they deliberately avoided taking names as the example also. It might just, somebody might think, referring to anybody. So and so, he's gone for tuition. And this person, the other son, he's gone for training, soccer training. And the daughter, so and so, she's gone for Taiwan classes. And I'm gone for coffee with my friends. And the pizza is in the fridge. You can tell you on, you can do your own thing. So this is the Zamana now. So the thing is that this whole thing has gone upside down. So there was a time when the stick ruled. Now that has been also overruled. Now it is a time that keeping the limits, within the limits to be, to be firm on the limits, but within the limits to be expressing love, compassion, kindness, engaging our children. And in this way we'll find that we will be winning them and bringing them onto the way that Nabi Islam has taught. So these are the things there are many, many other aspects here. Time has already run out. The things that we should be doing in our homes, the regular ta'aleem, sitting with our families, <coughs> having ta'aleem daily, which will bring alive all the lessons that the Islam has taught. Bring alive this life of deen. Bring alive this legacy of Ibrahim Islam. And will bring the consciousness of Allah wa ta'ala. The importance of salah, the importance of tilawat of the Quran Sharif, and all the amal of deen. So this ta'aleem and teaching our children etiquettes of life, their ma'asharat we are paying attention to, the simple things, etiquettes of eating, etiquettes of sleeping, etiquettes of talking, how to talk correctly, unfortunately all of these things, salam, 
Salam is becoming unfortunately extinct in our children. To emphasize this salam, Nabi Islam emphasized, Afshu salam abaynakum. Make this salam common. These are just some examples. But the point is that we should be now engaging in all these things. And inshallah, as we said, just to put the other side of the balance, we are accountable for our efforts. And result is not in our hand. But the question we should keep asking ourselves, are we making our full effort? If we are making our full effort, then inshallah we are absorbed in the court of Allah. And if not, then we'll be accountable. Indeed, there are many, many challenges. We should not necessarily always try it alone. As we discussed earlier also, take Bashwara. We have many ulama kiram in our community, or whoever we might have, maybe somebody in some other community, some other place living, we have a more uh, easy approach with that person, a more easy uh, rapport with the person. Whoever it is, where we find ourselves comfortable, comfortable with taking mashwara, asking advice, taking guidance, and inshallah we'll find, with the help of Allah wa ta'ala, our challenges will be overcome. May Allah wa ta'ala grant us all the tawfiq. اللهم لا نحسي ثناء عليك أنك ما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تخفل لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفل لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأدوار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان واحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان اللهم إنا نسألك من خيرنا سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم ارحم أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اهدي أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم تجاوز أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وأصحابه المعين والحمد لله